And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 235 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Pretty good week. Yeah? Yeah. And the end of October, you know, all fun times. Good stuff. Yes. Yeah. It was quiet here, which I am fine with. Yeah. Uh, mostly spent the week trying not to think about the thing that I think everyone's trying not to think about right now. <laughs> yes. And uh, failing miserably at that. Yeah, I, I, I think I heard a, a great description of, yeah, it's a lot like uh, going in for a medical test and just waiting for the results at this point. <laughs> uh, this is, this is, I think, a generational thing. Yeah. Um. But I remember, like, in high school, people would walk up to you and say, you just lost the game. And the entire game was, if you think about the game or someone mentions the game, you lose the game. Like, yeah. it was just this weird, like almost meta da-da game. art experiment that yeah. became viral. Incidentally, everyone listening just lost the game. But I feel like trying not to think about the thing we're all trying not to think about is basically just that same energy as you think about the game and you lose the game. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, which makes it even worse that this is going to be a solicitations episode because it feels like tempting, th- tempting fate to talk about anything that far in the future. <laughs> yeah, um, not to mention, what an interesting uh, solicitation. Yes, but we, we will get there. We will. Um, this is going to be listeners at home or in cars or wherever you might be. Kind of a weird episode. Um, we sat down to do show notes and we're like, there are some things to say about everything here, but not a whole lot. Actually, do we have a lot to say about? So we're going to say a little bit about everything. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to start with probably the two things we have the most to say about, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New Gods first, and then we'll talk Ten of Swords. So, right. Rise yeah. of the New God, number one. This was, uh, this was you know, one of the one-shots uh, that's tying in with... Uh... Dark Knight's Death Metal, and this is um, essentially the introduction of what is very definitely going to be a ongoing central character, don't you think? Maybe, like, he comes in with big, he comes in with big Nick Fury the Unseen energy, frankly. Yeah, oh yeah. Um. Oh, and by the way, let me just say, okay, so he... he, he the he Omniverse the- thing? Yeah, he's the chronicler of the the source, right? Yeah, the chronicler of the that is an agent of the source or whatever. He has got some super strong, like his aesthetic. He's got some super strong black hammer going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, with that head, with that face and head, yeah. 
I thought oh, you yeah. were going to mention that he answered a question we brought up last week, which is what is the difference between the omniverse and the multiverse? Yeah. Uh, and it does just seem to be that, you know, you have a universe that inhabits a multiverse and you have a multiverse of universes and your multiverse is one of many in the omniverse. Uh, the other thing that this one talks about as it goes, so he goes around visiting the, the premise of this is, uh, you know, the, the darkest night who is the Batman who laughs, who has now inherited Dr. Manhattan's powers and all the powers of the, of, uh, Metron's chair, the Mobius chair, um, basically is now of the same power level as Perpetua and the two of them start fighting. Yeah, I really expected this issue to be just that fight. And it's not. It's like a conversation between the Chronicler and... Who does he go to before Metron? What's that? Who does he go to before Metron? Psycho Pirate. Yeah, between him and Psycho Pirate and then him and Metron with just like these two giants fighting in the sky. Yeah, so yeah, like their fight is just the background of this. Which uh, I actually, oh, and then he I also, think I like uh, better. Then he also fights uh, Vril Dox, son of Brainiac. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or not fights, but talks to, rather. Yeah. Yes. So each of these that he visits, they are all people who have either gathered, like, massive amounts of information about the current multiverse, or, in the case of Psycho Pirate, even, like, remembers all of the history even through the crises, right? Right. Like the pre-crisis history and everything. So he goes, uh, so the the idea is that this battle between Perpetua and the Darkest Knight is going to end this multiverse. And so he is showing up to chronicle and gather all of the history of it so that it can be preserved in the Omniverse somewhere. And like any true Marvel watcher, he becomes enamored of the multiverse. And decides that he must help save it. Yeah, it's so he goes to Psycho Pirate first, then he goes to Vril Doc and gets this. And then the last person, he actually goes and finds Metron's skull on the, uh, I think it's the moon. Alas, poor Metron, I hardly knew ye. (laughs) And resurrects him. Because, you know, Metron is the one who, essentially in the DC Universe, Metron was the most like a a watcher of anybody else, right? So um, he talks to him, and Metron basically says, you know, yeah, I watched for so long without becoming involved, but the nature of this multiverse is such that it, it, want, it makes you want to be involved and, and, you know, participate in it. And he, he looks at the Chronicler and says, it's having the same effect on you, isn't it? And the Chronicler's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And he was like, so... The fact that it's doing that means that I know no matter what happens, even if this multiverse doesn't survive this, it will. Like, it can't die as long as it has this infectious idea of making you want to be part of it and making you want to help it continue existing. Right. Yeah. Um. That was that was kind of cool. That was kind of the other thing that real that I very very much took a uh, notion to in this is when it's talking about the source and more specifically about the creativity uh, and the creation behind the source. 
or that is the source or you know however they're referring to it right yeah super 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 same energy and vibes and belief of marvel's ultimate source in the marvel universe right yeah which is marvel the comics publisher right <laughs> the creators and writers and all of that that is marvel publishing right yeah it gave me very, very much that same vibe that the source in the DC universe is the writers and creators and that are DC Comics. So does that mean that Animal Man has traveled outside of the source? Good question. Maybe. I, like, that's happened a lot in DC Comics, by the way, where characters have gone out and met their creators. True. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, it, but it, it makes me question if this whole idea of, right, the source of the Omniverse, right, is, you know, I said it's Marvel for Marvel and DC, but maybe it's just period rock, comic writers, creators, artists, you know, it is creators and therefore the source for Marvel and the source for DC are now the same source. Which makes sense. Sometimes they're even the same creators. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but my point being this idea of in this omniverse thing, right? Now they truly can coexist in the omniverse. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I thought that was rather fascinating. And then it it, it ends very much with um y y the chronicler saying that yeah, he believes in this multiverse and wants to do something to save it and then we get a to be continued. Comic book metaphysics. Oof. <laughs> Uh, then we actually get a backup story in this. That's right. This one did have a backup. Yeah, which is um, John Stewart talking about what leadership is and how uh, you know the, the the dreaded question that all leaders eventually get, which is what do we do? Mm hmm. Um, and you know, essentially for this, this this definitely picks off right at multiverse's end, right where they're basically in a ship trapped in the bleed with these refugees from all of these other worlds and trying to get back to Earth Zero. And they only kind of succeed in that what they come back to is obviously the darkest night, the, the death metal Earth. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then I'm not sure exactly what this last page of this one means because we have all of these heroes from across the multiverse like like one or two from each Earth. And he's basically holding up a Green Lantern ring, kind of offering it to them and saying, yeah, so what are you going to do? So there is a precedent. Uh, this, in fact, happened in 2011's Green Lantern number one, which was the New 52 Jeff Johns written Green Lantern series. Uh, and like... Like the Batman stuff, uh, Jeff Johns had been writing Green Lantern, was allowed to continue basically where he had left off in Green Lantern. Uh, and where he had left off was that Hal had had his ring taken away. In Green Lantern number one, Sinestro, who had been given a Green Lantern ring again, comes to Hal and uses his ring to make a second ring uh -huh. and offers how you can join but you have to basically you can come back and have the ring again but it's off the radar and you are basically my sidekick and have to do what i say got it 
So there is precedent for using a ring to make like a temporary a temporary ring that is is subservient to the ring that makes it. Well, and Hal's ring that he owns right now was created purely from his own will, correct? I think that's right. I, I was not reading that book when that happened. Yeah, I, I wasn't either, but I, I know it's been referenced in other places, and I'm pretty sure that's right, and it's like something that's, you know, unprecedented and has never been done in the Lantern Corps before. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, super interesting. I love, uh, and of course, I love some of the characters that are just, that are in this multiversal refugee group. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're just looking for looking forward to seeing Green Lantern Captain Carrot. Uh, I mean there is Captain Carrot. There's also there's also um Batwoman from um uh, Bombshells. Mm, that's in right. Here. Yeah. It was like, "What?" Uh yeah, there's uh uh there's the Vampire Batman from the Vampire World. There's um Hot Girl Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to describe her. Um, yeah, there's some interesting characters in this. Yeah, let them yeah. all get power rings. I I don't know. That's the yeah. Who knows? But that's you know that that that's our backup story for this. Yep. It was, I, I enjoyed it. This was a good book. It was it was very different than what I expected, but I still liked it. Same. But I, but I like all the death metal stuff. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think. Like I am digging death metal. Uh-huh. I think that you sound a little more into it than I am. I'm feeling a little bit of the weight of all the one shots, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I the only the and I'll say the only thing that's making making the one shots palatable to me is they're not releasing other tie-ins or like other main issue stories the same weeks that they do the one shots. Yeah. Like they are letting them stand on their own for those weeks. Yes, that that Which, does help. Yeah, it does. I think for me, it's just we went like half of the miniseries without any tie-ins or one-shots. Yeah, and now they're all in the back half, so it feels like, even though it's the same amount of time on the calendar for the most part, yeah, it kind of feels like there's more between me and the bex the next big plot point. Yeah, I, I I can see that, and I think yeah. I, I think there's a combination of things that do that. Part of it was the whole, you know, comics delay thing, and part of it was just the fact that this was so successful, and so many creators wanted to get involved that they yeah. expanded. Right? And don't get me wrong, what? I am all for more. I am digging these oh, I comics. Know, I, I just the pacing has become something that I have to have to steal myself for a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, our other big event book this week, Ten of Swords Stasis number one. Which I will, again, credit to, to Marvel this time for allowing this as a big, you know, one-shot issue to stand on its own this week. They didn't have other other X-books out this week. Yeah, which I think is really smart. Like I think it's, especially given what this issue was. Yeah. So the last what five X books that we've read in the Ten of Swords thing have essentially been building, you know, the the heroes getting their swords and then showing up at this sigil. I mean, I'd say know. more than that. I'd say basically the last eight of yeah. the last nine have been that. what whatever it has been, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, so this this large number of whatever they are. This one essentially gives us who are the ten heroes on the other side. 
Yes. From um, Arako. Um, and we find out what their prophecy was for each of them, who they are, what their sword is, kind of the whole thing, but it's all in this one summarized issue. Hey, can I make a weird called shot? Yep. I don't think that Pog or Pog is the giant crocodile man. Okay. I think that Pog or Pog is the sword and whoever holds it is possessed by it. Uh, that's certainly possible. By the way, you notice that it is very, very much looks a whole lot like Dark uh, Sides, or not Dark Sides, jeez. Apocalypses? <laughs> yes, Apocalypse's sword. Frankly, yes. I'm shocked it took me that long to do that. Yes. I did notice that, but I also noticed that in all of the... So we basically get a page to two pages of the recruiting the sword bearers for Araco or sword breakers, I think they're called collectively, yeah, yeah. of Araco. And in all of them, it's the, the name of the sword breaker, the name of the sword in a, in a caption box. Right. Pog or Pog was just listed as Pog or Pog. Right. Like the sword and the creature are the same thing. I think it's a sentient sword that possesses whoever holds it. That would that very very much would fit. The other thing that we get in this, and this is, I don't want to say let, like I, I guess it's a, an equal part of this is we get this conclave of la- of the lands in Otherworld. Yes, we've kind of had right. a slow build up to this. We did. So we had been given basically like a text page, you know, an info page on each of these different realms that are part of Otherworld. Here we have this conclave where Saturnine has called them all together, which is apparently something that happens fairly often. And in some cases, there's some dispute about who, like, who, what the land is, or who is representing the land, or they're basically, who has conquered it now, or... They're yeah. basically in the middle of a vote for a zoning ordinance. <laughs> That is a very apt description. Um, so, and, and specifically, the biggest one is, um, uh, let's see, who is it? Uh, Mercator, right? Yeah. So Mercator is the one that, like, there's two representatives that show up for Mercator, but they never say anything. They never vote. They never whatever. And, you know, our info page for Mercator is essentially almost blank because it essentially tells us that once this showed up and they renamed themselves Mercator. Nobody has been allowed in and the borders have been closed and sealed. Yep. And, uh, Sheriff Gia Whitechapel, which white spoke. Incidentally, this character needs her own ongoing. Oh, Oh, she definitely are the very least a mini series. Yes. Full ongoing. Okay. I called shot. Go for it. I love it. Yeah. She is. She is wonderful. She has super, super Elsa Bloodstone vibes going for me. Yep. Yeah. Um, she's essentially said, yeah. So they they vote as to whether or not they should require that uh, that Mercator open its borders, and essentially the the nays win, right? And Sheriff Gia's response is, yeah, but we ain't interested in a vote. Places like this Mercator can't lock us out forever. Uh, my posse and I'll go in there and look around, permission or not. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Again, um, need need so much more of this character. 
Yeah, very, very much. Um, yeah, and then and then they get into probably the discussion that is more relevant, which is uh, Dryador, which is the place that touches Arako. Yes, right? the the much, slice of the pie opposite Avalon. Avalon. Yeah, which much like Avalon touches Krakoa, Dryador was what touched uh, Arako. Yes. Well, and so they have essentially said, no, we, we didn't come in and kill the the rulers of Dryador and take it over. We killed Dryador itself. Like, that, that land is now dead. It belongs to Arako. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially you can just start calling it Arako. It is no like, longer territory of Otherworld. Correct. It now belongs to Amaneth, yeah, which is the world much like Earth. Yeah. Uh yeah, so that's kind of the setup and our heroes arrive on Otherworld as well. Yes, and um, they are greeted with tarot cards in their beds. They are and let's talk about these tarot cards for a moment. Before we do are we we're still only at 9 sword bearers, right? We are. I do happen to know who the other one is. Oh. But I will not say on air because clearly they're keeping that for a reason. Let me ask Let me ask you a question. I do not think you'll guess who it is, but yeah. It, there is a variant for this issue that has a character who is not a sword or who is let me phrase this a little more clearly. There is there are several variants for this issue all of which feature sword bearers. There is one, and, and our group shots, but there yeah. is one that is a group shot that has an additional character who is not a sword bearer so far. I'm betting this very well may be the person. Oh, no, I think I know who you're talking about, and I don't think it's them. Okay. Yeah. You can tell me off air then. Okay, we can, we can discuss that later. Uh, I will say that there is, there, there is a hint as to who this might be. In the ideas of the swords that we that we know, that's what I'll say. Okay, there's there's your hint. I um, I do have a guess because there is one pretty high profile sword that hasn't shown up, okay. but it's also, as far as I know, like in Russian hands right now and not on Krakoa. Okay, well, uh, we'll talk about it off air. Okay, okay, but these uh, tarot cards, um. I I love that we get an explanation from Saturnine about when she pulled these. Yeah. Right? What they meant to what like what, how she read them. Um because so Betsy gets the nine of swords, which Saturnine describes as like flat out, there's no other way to read this. This is a really, really bad card. <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, is that Saturnine or Tarot? That's the data page, right? Uh, yeah. That's the mutant tarot explaining. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, maybe so. Because it's a callback to, uh... Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yep, so, the, um... The creation issue. Yeah, so, it and this card shows a... Someone very much like Betsy being stabbed with nine swords. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, we get, uh, Doug Ramsey and Warlock with the Two of Cups, which... Much as I predicted last week, basically uh, interprets as uh, somebody who seeks peace and resolution to conflict other than fighting. 
mm-hmm. and reaches an accord, right? And it shows like him and somebody else drinking a cup, drinking from cups together, right? We get Gorgon, who has a card that has no face. Yeah. It only has two backs. That's got to be the weirdest one. That is such a strange moment. And I love, in addition to kind of these these descriptions on a text page, we get, if it's not a nine-panel grid, it's it's kind There's of... six-panel grids. Okay, we get a pair of six-panel grids. It's basically each character finding and reacting to the card. And Gorgon's is just, like, throwing it away and, like, dismissing it as some kind of joke. Yeah, he's, like, ridiculous and walking away from it, yes. Uh, we get uh, Captain Avalon with the Knight of Pinnacles, and basically it shows Brian riding a griffin, holding his sword aloft, and being super heroic. I love Ilyana. <laughs> <laughs> She's just laying on her bed, holding the card up, and goes, nice! And it shows her with her soul sword stabbed into the ground. It's the Page of Wands, by the way. Uh, Stabbed into the ground and like this energy flaring up around her, just like being full badass. <laughs> we get Cable, the fool, as the fool standing on what I can only assume is the sword space station. Yeah, does that sound right? That sounds right to me. Okay, um. And we're told that the fool doesn't mean that he is a fool, but that this card can represent the fool's journey. However, growth and yeah, he he takes it to, as an insult. Oh, absolutely, he does. Uh, Wolverine's is strength and um, basically shows him being strangled by uh, the summoner. Interesting. Storms is death. Which shows her on a horse leading an army of the dead. Yeah. Um, and it talks about how it may not be like death itself, but like the death of something and transformation, right? Yeah. Through that, which immediately led me to think, is she going to, I mean, the obvious death, right? Is she going to die and then be reborn not herself but this mixture of new things from all you know because we talked about last time how if you die on Otherworld right now they can't bring you back the same you're basically this potluck mixture of all possibilities the meta answer I have to that is the X-Men editor Jordan White has said that there are some big storm stories coming in 2021 yeah so could be could be not who knows I mean that, uh, given what they've set up for this, that's an obvious question yeah. to ask, right? Yeah. Well, there were also a lot of people who assumed that uh, the character wearing the golden mask, who had been unidentified in solicitations, yes, might be Storm. And we find out in this issue who that is. It's exactly who I thought it would be. It's exactly who I thought it was also. Like, yeah. hands down. So, the last card that we get is Apocalypse, and he is very pissed about his card, and crushes yep. it, and then storms off and actually finds Saturnine to ask her about it, because we find out that the card that he got was the Lovers, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, specifically the reason for that is we then have the unmasking of the gold-headed figure, who is the leader of the Swordbreakers, 
And it is, of course, his wife. Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think has been, like, really well set up. And if you are if you have sat down and kind of, of pieced together the history of Arako and Ameth and Okara that we've yeah. gotten, like, everything to get us to that point, or to yeah. get us to this point is already there in that storytelling. Agree. Uh, the other question I have is uh, about this was from earlier, which is the Mercado, right? Mm -hmm. Is this also that other invasion force that forced the whole splitting of Apocalypse and his family and right? This feels more other, like, this feels more extraterrestrial than the the demon things we saw coming like just in the design yeah than the demon things we saw coming through the sword portal right so if we're assuming that those are those are the forces of ameth that split okara i i probably lean toward no that these are something else right um I I do want to mention though one of the other groups that until I saw one on the page it did not click for me who they are the Infuri. Oh yeah. Um there the the Infuri were a figure in the uh Alishkot Michael Walsh Secret Avengers run that I love so much. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. There were like the the issue the, the series starts off with Nick Fury Jr. and Phil Coulson, like, investigating this space station that has gone dark, and it's gone dark because this one in Fury is, like, on the station and has killed off everyone. It's like, battle in space in a dead space station with this in Fury uh, that, like, goes on and becomes a recurring character in the series. So Excellent. Yeah, like, just by name, because they just called it the Fury, like, it was a dumb joke. You had Nick Fury and the Fury. It didn't right. click until I actually saw one on the page. What the hell they were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, uh, basically, I think we are now one hundred percent fully set up with everything, and you know, we're we're ready for things to start happening now. Yeah. Yeah. And we get, what, two issues this coming week? Yes, we get X-Men 14 and Marauders 14. Cool. This week. Which are chapters 12 and 13. Yes, this is the exact midpoint of the event. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is going to be good stuff. Yep. Alright, everything else now. <laughs> everything else. Yeah, those were the those were the two big ones that, to talk about this week, definitely. Yeah. Tell me about an unkindness of ravens. Um, yeah, this is the book that I mentioned that was about a new girl who went to a, a school, and there are kind of two sides, right? There's kind of the mean girls and this group called the ravens, who yeah. we find out are witches. And this is just more of her acclimatizing and meeting a couple of more new characters, as this is a new series, and starting to realize that regardless of how much she just wants to blend, like probably not going to happen. And there's some weird things. And we find out there's some weird things going on with her dad too. Cool. Yeah. Wind number five was out this week. This is the last issue of the first book of wind. And 
we get some really good character growth in this issue and you could you could kind of read this and call it a like i think you get a satisfying conclusion to this chapter it is very much an act break but like as a whole i think it has a beginning a middle and an end while also being the beginning of something else um i don't want to spoil the big change that happens in this issue though uh, I will say that the prince finally becomes a less unbearable human being. Oh, good. Uh, and, oh, I can never remember big, big, goofy gardener Hufflepuff boy. <laughs> I um, love that description, though. And that's boy with an eye. Uh, but he just is the absolute best person. Uh, yeah, the prince's childhood friend, shall yes. we say. Yeah. And after the last page, we, we learn Wind will return in book two, The Secret of the Wings, in May 2021. Oh, excellent. Okay, so, so we got not, about a five-month break here. Yeah, not, not as long a wait as I maybe expected from the last I'd heard about it. Well, part of that was probably due to all of the delays, right? Because like, cause this, I mean, this did start coming out about May of last year. Yeah, you know. I, yeah. I, I think I read in, in Tynan's newsletter that they were considering this a, like, fall event, and I think I read that as the beginning of the arc. I think that's probably going to be when the collection comes out. That would make sense, yeah. yeah. So if we start in May, then we're looking at, you know, an October trade. Right? Yep. yep. Colonel Weird Cosmogog number one. So um this is the next in a in a limited se- in a group of limited series about that kind of digs into each character in Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, super clearly, right? This is Colonel Weird and m- much like you would expect with Colonel Weird is uh, it does not follow a direct timeline. He jumps around and he is old and he is a boy in part of it and he is in lots of different physical locations, and uh, yeah, like it, it jumps all over the place, but is still a very, very good understanding of, like, I, I think it probably does better even than in Black Hammer itself, of how he kind of experiences all of this. Yeah. And what these jumps are like for him. I feel like of what I've read, the closest we've gotten to something like that was actually in the Black Hammer Justice League crossover. Yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, but essentially he gets to a point where he is like, so, yeah, I'm forgetting this and I can no longer see the pattern like I have before, but so what do I do? And, you know, his young boy self says, well, if you've lost something, Mom always says the best way is to retrace your steps. So he's going to kind of go back to the beginning and start stepping through his life to remember all of these things. And I think that's where this series is going to go. Um, I cannot think of another series in recent memory that the covers have made me so excited for. Um, I will tell you the interior art is at least equally as good, if not better. It is, it is some of the best art I have Certainly the best art this week, for in my okay. opinion. And I, by the way, so the art and letters are Tyler Crook. Oh, awesome. I love Tyler Crook. And it is it is beautiful. It really is beautiful. I need to read more Black Hammer. 
I I have realized that the the spin-off series that are not just like in title directly related to what's going on in the main book tend to be where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll get back to it now. I'll read 1945 or whatever. But then when these series come out that are the main series characters, I'm like, oh no, I need to catch up and deep dive into this now. Uh-huh. Like this and Barbalian both. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like super, super, super good. Action Comics 1026. This is the fight between the super, the House of Kent, as it is referred to, yep. and Parasite. A- and Red Cloud. And of. Red Cloud. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mama Leon, not Mama Leon. Mama Leon, is that her name? Uh, it's, it is it is Leon, but it's, uh, it's not Mama Leon. I, I think I am mixing her name up with the name of a character on iZombie, which I have been rewatching. watching uh, or, or Mama Leone's, right, from New York, but, um, which was a very famous Italian restaurant in oh. New York. Um, um, she continues her insistence that Lois Lane is from another planet and besmirching her name, and I cannot gun to my head, I could not tell you if I think that this is, like I said last time, a case of two of her, one from our Earth, who is in earnest insisting on these things, and then the one from Earth 3. Right. Or, if this is the one from Earth 3 just trying to pull a con so so convincingly well and here's the thing right is she is from another earth lois is i mean lois is from another earth that's right because the lois and superman right now are not the new 52 lois and superman they are the ones who survived from pre Pre post-crisis yeah right yeah um that that is true so I mean, there's there's that side, but then obviously the irony is, you know, from what we know, you know, not not guessing at doppelgangers or multiple, you know, is that she is actually we know she is from another Earth if it is the same one that is the head of the Invisible Mafia. Yeah. Do you count as being from another Earth if your entire history and existence has been fused with the one from the Earth you've traveled to, though? Man. my question would be, does it matter at that point? <laughs> Comic book metaphysics. I mean, that's the that's the whole, uh, you know, that's the whole uh, mutant thing in in Marvel right now. Is yeah, if you're reborn and all of your memories are put back in, are you the same person or not? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Batman Superman number thirteen. Uh, <laughs> talk about just like. A goofy, almost Silver Age side adventure story in the best possible way. Um, There's another book getting like that right now, too, and we'll talk about that in a little bit in a minute here. Superman and Batman are trapped on the moon fighting robot versions of their rogues created by basically a brainiac AI that Batman tried to use to analyze and find weaknesses for all the rogues who said, oh, well, the easiest way to find these weaknesses is to have you two fight them and analyze that data. And that AI changed a message from Batman back to Earth that said, hey, whatever you do, nobody come to the moon and and make this situation worse. To tell Batwoman and Steel, hey, come to the moon. We need your help. (laughs) 
because Brainiac has gotten all the, or this off-brand Brainiac has gotten all of the data he needs to turn around and build a hybrid Batman-Superman robot. Okay. It is so just like, there is no way on Earth that this storyline has long-term consequence, so it can just be as goofy as it wants. There you go. Uh, like, Batman at one point gets the upper hand by tricking Brainiac into making the Joker, knowing the Joker will basically be chaos that Brainiac can't analyze, and uses it to program a bug into the system to let him escape and go find Superman. Right, right. Like, it's just good and goofy. Okay. Flash 754. Yeah, here's the other one that's starting to feel a bit Silver Age after, uh, with this, uh, the last couple of issues of this. Um. So we are now, uh, hang on, I want to go back. Um, this one and the one before it are, um, we've got a new creative team on this. And it is Kevin Sh- uh, Shinnick writing and Will Conrad doing the art. Um, and we very, very much, this very much feels to me like a, you know, each issue is kind of its own, or or maybe one or at most the story is a couple of issues, and you you move on. Yeah, it has a very seventies, early eighties kind of feel to it. Um, More and this episodic. one particularly is Doctor Alchemy, but uh, I I don't dislike it. I, I like, I mean it it it's written well. It the story moves well, and you know it's exactly what you would expect from that kind of story. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious with. This book is one example. Um, Some of the books in DC's line that either are at stopping points in Mm -hmm. November, December, or I think like this book, maybe have hit one and have someone coming in to tell these kind of one-offs for a few minutes. Yep. I'm very curious to see what the next big chapter is. Like, when March rolls around, right, is this same creative team going to be building, or will someone else come in as a result of death metal and future state and all of these things? Exactly. Well, and that's the big thing is I, I think some of these that are like like the, like you were talking at this point, I'd really think in some ways they're just filling time a little bit. Yeah. Right. Which and, is and not to in that to... the, they don't they don't want this big ongoing thing happening if they're already in it like superman kind of is right now that's fine yeah. but i think the ones that they can do it for they're like okay let's get through these kind of three big event things that are going on because we got winter's end coming in december too right endless winter i think endless yeah. winter i'm sorry yeah endless winter coming in december and like let's get through those and then you know before we start something new Right. Yeah. And that's, I want to make clear, that's not to, like, dismiss any of these books or the work not people at are all. doing on them. Like, we just said, these these fun, like, obviously can't have a big impact stories Yeah, are actually a really nice breath of fresh air right now. I, I would agree. I, I kind of like the, that they've taken this pacing for a yeah. couple of these. Yeah. Injustice Year Zero Number Nine. God, this book is just so good. Um, The Joker is such an asshole. God, he is, but, like, he's, like, this is the best of him being that asshole, though. Like, 
this is what his character should be like. Right? I do not disagree. Like, like if you want to know what a Joker should be like, it's this. I think, I think the clearest, to me at least, the clearest signifier of this is, this is kind of quintessentially the Joker, a character who, again, I just, I have to say, I'm so sick of uh-huh. in a broad sense, is the moment where he's taken control of uh, Jay Garrick and he has Jay use the speed force and it just results in this big bloody mess. And the Joker's like, shrug, I should have practiced. Yeah. He doesn't care. He probably finds it amusing, but also like he is that kind of in the moment chaos unplanned thing that, yeah, of course he wouldn't have practiced. Right. Like you just do what is what you feel like doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it. He, he's continuing to possess JSA members and using them to do bad things to other people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Justice League Dark number 27. Uh, I love this book so much. And 28, the next issue, is basically the end of this story that has been going since No Justice. Um, which, again, like makes sense. We've got Future State coming up, which we'll talk about. And yep. then all of the No Justice stuff basically is getting wrapped up with, with Death Metal. Death Metal, yep. So this is just the big fight between Justice League Dark and the Upside Down Man. And it's got some big, cool moments. It uses the story beats that have come up to this point to to get to where it's at. Like, it builds on itself uh, in ways that I find satisfying, at least. And it's just, it's a beautiful book. The art in this book has, I think this is one of the most gorgeous books DC has put out for the last couple of years consistently. Like, it's just great to look at. Awesome. Yeah. Um, also, Zatanna's having a bad day. Oh, wow. Legion of Superheroes number 10. <laughs> you know how I joke about being irritated with you for not being caught up on the Immortal Hulk ever? Uh-huh. I'm actually that kind of irritated with you almost. I'm I'm like 40% serious instead of my usual 10. Yeah. Uh about not being caught up on this book. If you weren't yeah. so far behind, I'd be irritated. I, and I I I am very upset that I have not been able to find the time cuz and that's the problem is I'm like eight or nine issues behind on this right now. So essentially I've got to read a couple of trades yeah. to get caught up and like it, it is I would say of of the things that I am really behind on it's the one that i want to read the most right now and like really truly of the things you are behind on it's the one i think i would push you to read okay the most right now um i and like i'm i've said this before i have very little working knowledge of legion of superheroes this book really has been kind of the most consistently longest term I've read anything Legion of Superheroes. And the way it is building... If there is a book that Brian Bendis should be writing, it is this book. Like, I know I've said that for a long time. But this huge cast that I think, for a lot of... For me as a reader, at least, and I think for some writers, probably creates this barrier to telling telling stories that are easy to track. Uh-huh. 
Bendis is so good at juggling ridiculously large casts and working with a page or two for a character in an issue and nothing more. Um, like the number of things that go on in this issue, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep this as light on overall spoilers as possible, just to maybe tease you into reading this, Brian. <laughs> um we see one legionnaire appointed ruler of their homeworld against their wishes oh great that's always a, that's always a great way to go yeah we see john jonathan kent uh-huh. uh on a date <laughs> we learn that uh oa we spend some time on oa with the gold lantern and the guardians who are now glowing, floating, fiery golden heads. Uh, and this is the opportunity that the Gold Lantern and Brainy take to ask about something that was teased in the last issue. I mean, more than teased. Uh, there is a great darkness coming. Okay. Uh, I think I, I, I maybe teased you with this a little bit, Brian. The, the like two-word phrase that even knowing nothing about the Legion I know is a big fucking deal. Uh-huh. It's that phrase, Great Darkness, as in yeah. the Great Darkness saga. Um, a Great Darkness is coming, and the Guardians had not warned the Gold Lantern, because they're not sure if the Legion stops it or causes it. Okay. Um, and then we see the future of New Krypton that has been teased in Bendis' Superman in Action Runs, in which we meet Monel's grandfather, Zod, who is a ruler of New Krypton, like peacefully. All right. Yeah, like there is a lot going on here, and I am very into all of it. And like each of these things just gets two, three, maybe four pages. Um, go read it. The end. Suicide <laughs> Squad number ten. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the aftermath of uh, Deadshot being killed by black mask yeah and um i gotta say this is the book that gave me a bit of a heart attack this week oh yeah yeah wink um, and airy huh wink and airy yeah yeah specifically page specifically uh the, the page where um uh wink get shot yeah and i was like you did not just do this to Wink, right? <laughs> you know, I I am at the point with Tom Taylor where I got to that page and I just thought to myself, no, nah, I trust him to be better than that. Oh, oh. I was there, like, because of, of all of these new characters that, that they've introduced with the Suicide Squad, Wink is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I just, I, I yeah. It, and then... We went on from there to to start dealing with the aftermath, and I loved it. And the other thing that I absolutely loved was um, Harley and Zebraman. Harley and Zebraman were so good. Zebraman, yeah. I expected to be your quote of the week this week. I mean, it, I didn't specifically pick a quote of the week this week, but it absolutely would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also gonna say this is probably my favorite use of Black Mask in any comic I've ever read. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even, I don't disagree with that. Right down to, oh, I, I didn't know the, the mask was melted to his face. <laughs> Wolf, but like, bad but day like, for totally, Roman totally like, like, 
I didn't realize that. But she's like, not like, not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing anyway. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. More surprise than concern, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman 765. Speaking of terrible billionaires. Oh, man. Max Lord is just like the worst good guy ever, isn't he? He's, I mean, he is as bad a good guy as everyone thinks Booster Gold is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which reminds me, I somehow skipped two books, so. And I can, I can never, I can, I'll, I'll be honest, I can't figure out if he's playing being this or if he really is this. You know what I mean? I, I kind of get the vibe that this is this book is on sort of like a greek tragedy greek like prophecy based tragedy path okay where diana and lord are just going to kind of make the futures they want to avoid happen by trying so hard to avoid them Yes, that that would absolutely fit. Which makes sense, because, like, it's Wonder Woman, ancient Greek myth is a big thing. And like, sure, sure. This has, this has Oedipus energy, right? Like, Yeah, oh yeah. Not, not in a anyone's going to go bang their mom kind of way, but in a, like, that only happened because Oedipus was trying to avoid it. Right. Yeah, everything that he did to avoid is what caused it to happen, right? Yeah. Yep. Um... Speaking of Booster Gold and the two books that I just realized I skipped, Batman Beyond number 48. Uh, This is the last arc of Batman Beyond. Uh, There are two more issues after this. And Booster Gold shows up right as Old Man Bruce begins attacking Terry out of nowhere. Uh, and tells Terry, hey, I need you to come to the past with me. Someone implanted a post-hypnotic trigger in Batman to attack you, and that's what you're in the middle of, and we need to go fix it. And Terry basically says, no, you are insane. I have no clue who you are, Booster Gold. Uh, forget that. Tries to fight off Bruce. Matt gets killed. And Terry's like, okay, fine. I guess I have no choice but to go along with this to bring my brother back to life. Um, goes to the past. And then Batman assumes that he has caused the attack and starts attacking him in the past. Wow. Yeah. Um, Batman versus Batman. Dawn of Batman. Batman 3 Jokers number 3. The art in this is very good. Yes, it is. It is sitting in front of me awaiting my, my reading of. Yeah. Um, this, I think, makes a very strong case for, for these big event books, taking your time, letting your artist have all the time they want or need to do the work and not rushing them. Um, almost like they can do better work when you do that. Yeah. Department of Truth number two. Cole, after being recruited to the Department of Truth realizes that this is his best chance to learn if there is any truth to the uh, figure who has haunted him since his childhood in the satanic panic, a man with a big upside-down star carved into his face. Um, like it's, it's a really good introduction into like some of the inner workings of the Department of Truth itself, uh, but also, like, I like that it adds in this layer of 
sort of personal connection to what's going on beyond just what uh what we got in the first issue where Cole was sort of recruited by these conspiracy theorists to come see the edge of the world because it's flat um this is a weird book to try to talk about it sounds like talking about a bad dream but it is such a clever clever book it's james tynan like okay duh nailbiter returns number six we see the origin of the uh buckaroo butcher uh brawl and uh as it turns out the entire game was created by Crane and, uh, uh, oh shoot, the Nailbiter, Warren. By Crane and Warren when they were kids as a drinking game. Uh, uh a drinking game that has gone too far. Sex Criminals, number 69. This is the last issue. Uh, it jumps forward three years and change. And the entire epilogue is framed as... The wedding of these two characters that have basically been stand-ins for Chip and Matt. These two, like, vaudeville stand-up comedian performer types. Um, It's a really sweet last issue because it kind of feels like the two of them are writing a love letter to each other. <laughs> um, I, I need to know, I, I have a feeling that the vows that the two exchange... I'm willing to bet Chip wrote one of them and Matt wrote the other. That's beautiful. Um, The whole thing is just kind of, one, metaphor for artistically trying to end something that has been a big part of your life. Uh, And two, like, just the way relationships kind of end and fall out. And it doesn't have to be a big deal, but it can still be important. Uh, Because John and Susie are also still the main characters of this book. The Amazing Spider-Man number 51. Uh, yes. So, um... You got caught up on this book this week. I did get caught up on Spider-Man. Yes, I did. Um, just in time, I think. How do you feel about that Kindred reveal? Uh, completely and totally unshocked. Same, but I felt like it built to that in a really satisfying way. It it did build, it did build to it very, yes, it is very earned. Yes. Um... I loved the, and actually not so much in this one as as in the, um, I guess fifty dot lr right I think yeah. which was the uh, the one where Norman talks about who he can get to reach out to Kindred. Yes. Yeah, and like that was actually a bigger kind of reveal in a way I think than, I mean, after the reveal of who Kindred is, yeah, then that. That like that totally makes sense, right? Like, and I think the reason that moment feels like such a shock is because it is because it is Norman Osborn having an idea that is so grounded in empathy. Like, who is the one person who Kindred has maybe still a connection to and would stop and listen to? Like, Norman Osborn has that thought. <laughs> y- y- yeah. 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 Um also Black Cat is back. She is. Uh and um Spidey goes to visit uh Doctor Strange and um they kinda work together. <laughs> they try to work together. Immortal Hulk number thirty nine. Guess what, Brian? What? 
I forgot to pick this up this week, so I also haven't read it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I have foiled your plot to stay one issue behind at all times. <laughs> Curses. Yeah. yeah, this and chew number four. Chew number four, my shop got shorted on. So, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, do not read into the fact that I'm not talking about either. I just don't have them yet. Fair enough. Runaways number 32. God, I've missed this book. I've missed this book so much. Uh, I will also say this is like maybe maybe the least that a long break could possibly have hurt a book. Um, The last arc was about the Runaways going to live with and becoming sidekicks to this like sort of silver agey Doc Justice hero. Yep. Who really just had one big plan? One big plan to betray them to make his brand relevant again. And there is so much distrust between them, and so much distrust of themselves and their own judgment, and the fact that they made the mistake of trusting an adult, which they should have known better than, and the ways that they've screwed up relationships with each other in the course of the Doc Justice thing, like all of that having this long break kind of feels like it's had time to really simmer and percolate. Um, at least as a reader, more more so maybe even than the comic has had. This issue starts with Gert wanting to do the thing that seems the least Gert to anybody else on the team and go back to high school. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the central, like, thrust of this issue and this arc uh vic offers to help her falsify the records she needs to enroll and then gib decides that he also would like to go to the highest of schools the (laughs) The highest of schools which i have to mention mostly because one there is a backup and two the cover to the next issue shows Gib playing football? Oh, good lord. And now I, look, I may be even less qualified to talk about football because it is so not my thing, but the idea of this teenage god trying to pretend to be human and play football just seems like a rich comedy vein. Um, I am very here for that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, also, like, there, there are some other, like, you know, you get a couple of panels of each character kind of uncomfortable in back in the the back in their hideout doing their own thing. Molly is looking up information about Krakoa and maybe going to Krakoa. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So some big things, maybe a foot here. Um at the very least I would love to see her show up in some X books here and there, even if she does like a Franklin Richards and just visits shang chi number two uh as much as i liked the first issue i like this one even more um seeing shang chi and sister hammer interact together is really really great um and also the book then takes this sort of weird horror turn that i wasn't expecting and i am really really here for it i strongly recommend this book i think there's a second printing of the first issue out this week if you missed it the first time around 
Spider-Man Noir number five wraps up the big fight with, you know, ancient gods like you do when you're Spider-Man. Um, I also think that this specific Spider-Man may have the highest ratio of number of deaths to number of comics that he's been in. Oh. He dies and comes back a lot. Strange Academy number four. Um, one group of students plays tag through interdimensional doors that pop around, pop up around different places on Earth and Asgard and weird world and wherever uh while kid dormammu is very very bad at library sciences and most importantly the best doctor strange related character ever created makes a cameo appearance and who is that i'll give you a hint he smells something funny in the basement that he's never smelled before and drags steven down to look at it it's bats it's bats oh yeah okay the the ghost basset yes. hound. Yeah, oh I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He smelled a demon cat. Um the autumnal number two. The first issue of this ended in this sort of like rot not rotting even, but this sort of like body horror. This like arboreal body horror. This issue takes sort of that idea and layers into it this almost like Pleasantville stepford wives town where something is off and no one will talk about it vibe i still don't know exactly what's going on here but everyone's afraid of leaves and i am just absolutely fascinated by this book okay that's interesting (laughs) i know it's 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 the weirdest description of a book i've given at least this episode maybe uh, but it's such a good, like, slow burn horror read. Giga number one. Uh, I wish you had, you had gotten to read this one. I know it was on your, your short list for this. It week. is, it is. Um, only because, if for no other reason than because this falls into, I think, a category of books that I'm not the best at talking about that are high concept sci-fi books where the world building is very slow burn. Okay. Uh, and when I say slow burn, I don't mean I don't mean that the book is slow at all. Right. The book is very character driven and the world is drastically different in that like whole civilizations live inside these giant robot bodies that are there. <laughs> and, and and they're not they're not in a rush to give you this big info dump on who all these people are and what they do and Right, like the, the the clearest example I can give is the first scene, sort of the prologue of this issue, is an existential conversation about how humans may be to these robots as bacteria are to humans, where you have, you know, your 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 gut biome and whatever that right. ser- that that have a a symbiotic relationship with you. Um and maybe humans are to these robots that kind of thing, where they, they get to live in them because they keep things oiled and repair things and whatever that the robots can't do themselves because they're at a completely different scale. Yeah. Um, but then there are also like robots that are outside of society in the woods that are maybe just dead and maybe aren't. In fact, maybe the robots people live in are dead. We're really not sure. Um, 
And there's also like human scale AI that might be illegal to exist and certainly is not allowed to be sentient. And there are just all these moving parts that are super interesting, but are not, I could not tell you the whys of any of it. Okay. um, I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be at least the first arc of this book is explaining the world as we see people moving through it. I think it's very well done. It's a gorgeous book. Um, it's just, I think the kind of thing I personally find it hard to, to find a way into talking about. Fair enough. Heavy number two. This one is much easier to talk about. Uh, this take the Punisher and add uh some sex criminal style cum demons and you're you're basically halfway there um at the end of the last issue the man responsible for the main character's family's death including his own is assigned as his partner and this whole issue is kind of framed as the main character being like look i hate this dude he ruined my life but i I also can't deny that he's just amazing at our job. It's like he was made for it. And as much as I wish I had never had to see him again, like this may be the thing he is meant to be. Like maybe, maybe this justifies his existence and everything else. Um, but also I don't want to be here and watch him filling this New York street with blood and other bodily fluids. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a weird, weird book, but clearly I I'm here for it, and I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> okay, wasted space number sixteen. This book, I enjoy this book in general. This issue of this book is the most my shit this book has ever been. Um, this issue is framed by like two pages on either side of the the regular cast of this book. Being like, fuck, why are we always in the middle of everything? At which point it cuts to the origin of Legion, the the smaller god who has tasked everyone with killing the bigger god. Uh-huh. The layouts in this issue remind me so much of Kenneth Rocafort's art. Uh, there's so much white space and irregular panel layout. This is a little more, like, symmetrical just across the whole page than I think Rogafort normally is almost like a, like an art deco vibe, but it feels like an issue of a different book as it tells Legion's story, which is basically he was a member of this race that didn't really care about, or maybe all have free will, but he did and did not, care for the existence of a god because why have suffering if you're a god so one day god sends a messenger to them and is like okay well uh i need someone to come visit me and nobody wants to accept him he's like yeah i'll come up there i'll come up there and tell you what for and he does and his god is like look i don't actually have control over any of you when I try, I make things worse. I do my best and put as much good into the world as I can, but I can only do so much. Like this very human way of looking at things. So he grabs him and rips him in half. Well, there you go. 
and then is cursed with his power and finds a planet that he tries to help because that's what he should do and learns he can only do so much and that he really just makes things worse when he gets too involved. And it's this perpetuating cycle. Uh, it's an excellent issue. I love it. Um, I think it's a great way for this book to come back from a long hiatus. Good. Yeah. Okay. January 2021 solicitations. Yeah, we're we're into next year, folks. Yeah. Assuming, assuming that we survive it that long. <laughs> Ugh, I wish that that were a joke. Um, so this is going to be a little shorter than a normal solicitation segment. Yes. Because we're not going to talk at length about DC in this one. Uh, we'll, we'll start there to explain why we're not going to. Yes. In January and February, DC has an event going on called Future State. Uh, this spins out of death metal, um... And is basically a flash forward into the future of the DC Universe, which is an idea that they've tried a handful of other times. I will say this about it right now. I am very excited for this iteration of it, what I have not always been about this idea in the past. Yep. I think the creative teams involved are super solid. I yes. think the way that they are publishing it is very smart. And if you want to hear more about it, we're going to put out a separate, basically, bonus episode this week. That is just the future state solicitations, because there are 25 books and we want to talk about them all. Yes. Um, I will mention right here, though, there are a few books that are like the, uh, mostly it's like the Black Label stuff, right? Yeah, like American Which are not Vampire. part of, right, like uh, the new Batman Catwoman, right? And, yeah. um. You know, Dead Planet, I think, is that way. So, so yeah. some of like the the stuff that's kind of outside of you know main yeah. continuity anyway type stuff. The other history of the DC universe, I think, right? Is also... Rorschach, uh, so like yeah. that, right? Um, so those are those continue. So you know, those are not. Yeah. But literally everything else is part of this event. Yep. Right. So. And that's right. That's all we're gonna say about it now. Yep. That's it. Aftershock, Scout's Honor, number one. Brian, why could this possibly be on your list? Gee, I can't imagine why why I would uh, be looking at this. No, this is a this is a new series uh, from Aftershock. Uh, the writer is David uh, Popose, and the artist is Luca uh, Casalanguida. Uh, the colorist is going to be Matt Mila. Um, this is essentially a post-apocalyptic world where. Um, a new society rises up and kind of all of they all they had to base society on was this old scout manual. Oh cool. Yeah. Um also it, maybe a little terrifying at least given the uh, some of the additions of the scout manual that I personally had it, to it, use. I, I was going to say a lot of it depends on what scout manual they find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like can maybe leave out that god and country merit badge. Yeah, well, award. you know, um, so, but, uh, I mean, obviously I find this because I was involved in Scout super interesting. Yeah. 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 Over at Ahoy, uh, for me, at least the long awaited return of the wrong earth. 
Uh, so we had a Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man miniseries this year that was sort of, of, of parallel stories for each of those characters set before the wrong earth. Uh, this continues from the wrong earth. They finally meet each other, and the question the solicitation poses is, will their impossible encounter result in a team-up or an all-out war? Um... I, 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 if you're not familiar with The Wrong Earth, it's basically like, imagine a series where Adam West Batman and, uh, Frank Miller Batman swapped Earths. That was the first one. This is What If They Met Each Other. I am super excited. <laughs> At Boom, another miniseries sequel that I am beyond excited for. Abbott, 1973. Yes. Uh, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Sammy Cavella, uh, same team as the first round of Abbott. Elena Abbott is working at a new paper, and in a, uh, working at a new paper, I think in a new city, maybe? Maybe not. Nope, I made that up. Ignore that. Uh, the city is days away from the historic election of a black candidate as their new mayor, but a vicious new group has emerged to destroy him, targeting anyone who supports his campaign and the change he represents. And she has to figure out how she's connected to that and deal with her, like, accepting her powers as a light bringer to save her city. Uh, I, I cannot recommend the first Abbott series enough if you haven't read it. All right. Tell me about the Last Witch. Uh, this is a this is also a boom book uh, written by Connor McCreary and illustrated by VV Glass. Um, this uh, essentially it is uh, I, I believe this is going to be an all ages book. Um, the art is very um, animation ish would be I guess the the best way for me to describe it. Um, which I'm I'm kind of super into right now, um, cool. but it, it, it's described as people who are fans of wind will like this, mm. in that it is a story of you know kind of about a young person who is uh, figuring something out about themselves that like obviously it's called the last witch right and so she is the last witch and uh, is learning what that means. And how she can fit into a society where that isn't something that, you know, people deal with. Cool. Yeah. Moving on to Image. Haha, number one. Did you see this, Brian? I saw it, and I, 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 yeah. I I actually asked Jen about it last night. She was like, hell no. (laughs) Yeah, I messaged her uh, when I saw it announced, and she never responded. Um, this is written by W. Maxwell Prince of Ice Cream Man, Mm -hmm. and it is another anthology series, uh, a little more anthology than even Ice Cream Man is. The basic premise of this book is that it's all stories about clowns, and each issue will have a different artist and a different genre, so it's also not all horror, um. The first issue is drawn by Vanessa Del Rey, but they've also mentioned Gabrielle Walta and Roger Landridge. 
as artists on the series um yeah like i don't know at this point tell me w maxwell prince is writing something weird that changes with every issue and i'm kind of there for it yeah a lot a Uh, lot of this for me is going to depend on uh if, if i've managed to catch up by then yeah over at marvel um most of the new stuff coming out in january is related to king and black yes so in addition to the mini series and tie-in series that were already announced in december which we won't go back through uh we add gwinnum versus carnage three issue mini series which i am on for for obvious reasons yep sean and mcguire returns to write so as close to a continuation of the ghost spider series as we're gonna get yep uh planet of the symbiotes uh that's a three issue mini series i don't know if i said that it is i think I, almost all of these are three issue mini Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Planet of the Symbiotes is... I, I did the same thing I do with every event book where I look through and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to read this. So then I look down and see who the creative team is. Like, I'm not going to read all of them, right? I always tell myself I'm not going to grab every tie-in. So this is Clay McLeod, Cha- Clay McLeod Chapman and Frank Thierry writing. So, yeah, I'm going to get it. <laughs> um. I don't know much about this book other than I imagine it does what it says on the tin. It's the planet of symbiotes. Uh, all the solicitation text offers is darkness reigns over the Marvel universe. Um, same category of then I saw the creative team and had to have it. Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Yeah. Matthew Rosenberg writing Juan Ferreira on art. Yeah. I am I am really trying to stay out of the King and Black stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm getting the Gwenham thing because you know it's Ghost Spider. Yeah. Uh, the, the Thunderbolts one I might have to pick up just because of Matthew Rosenberg. Well, and remember, like his first Marvel work or his first at least Marvel miniseries was a Wilson Fisk book. Yeah. Wilson Fisk commissions this Thunderbolts team, which includes Taskmaster, Rhino, Star, Mr. Fear, and Batroc Zelepere to save New York City. Yeah. Yep. There is a Black Knight one-shot written by Cy Spurrier and Return of the Valkyries, which is a four-issue miniseries. Yep. Written by Jason Aaron and Torn Grunbeck, the same team that wrote Valkyrie. Right. Yeah, this is this is the continuation of the Jane Foster story. Yeah. Yep. Um which is the return of Jane Foster and the introduction of a new Valkyrie who is a black woman. Hmm, wonder who that might be. Uh... It's not. I don't think it's it does I've seen the character designs and I don't think it's just another riff on the Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. I don't think it is, but I think it's definitely inspired by. I think that's true. Yes. I think that's what we're finding. Um, There are also some new crossovers that I will just list out real quick without getting into. Uh, Deadpool number 10, Daredevil number 26, Guardians of the Galaxy number 10, Savage Avengers number 10, and Sword number 2. Also on Krakoa, Children of the Atom number 1. Finally, I definitely put this one down. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this one earlier this year or even late last year. It had been solicited and I think just got shuffled to be after after Ten of Swords. Yeah, it was. I think originally this was, uh, God, this was like February of this year was supposed to be out or something stupid and ridiculous. Yeah, Um, it was 
supposed to be much earlier this year. Yes. But it is Vita Ayala writing Bernard Chang on art. Yeah. And it's... I, I, I actually just really love the first line of the solicitation, which is in all caps, When did the X-Men get sidekicks? <laughs> now! Right Um. Now. Yep. I... I I've seen the, this cover so many times at this point because we had the solicitations before and there have been all the all the articles about books Marvel hasn't resolicited and this book because it's X-Men and hasn't shown back up and like I look at these character designs and they're those kinds of almost mashups where I feel like there are six different ways right now with what's going on I could justify any of their existence. And I have no clue which one of those ways might actually be right. Um, knowing me, probably none of them. <laughs> I, I really just can't wait for this book. Uh, then we also have the Immortal Hulk Flatline, which is another Immortal Hulk one-shot written and drawn by Declan Shelby. Yeah. Over All at good stuff. Yep. Last one is over at Oni. Uh, this is an original graphic novel. Secrets of Camp Whatever. Uh, this is written and drawn by Chris Grine, who we recently had on Minds at Yerk to talk about the Animorphs graphic novel, which he's also writing and drawing. Uh, the first one of those has come out and was really, really good, and he's a cool dude. So this is officially on my list. This is about an 11-year-old who doesn't want to go to her dad's weird old summer camp. Um but doesn't have a choice in it, and finds herself neck deep in a confounding mystery involving stolen snacks, suspected vampires, and missing campers, all shrouded in the sinister fog that hides a generation of secrets at camp... whatever it's called. I think it's all ages, but I might be wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And with that, this week's books, Brian. Yes, sir. Young Justice number 20. Oh uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the last issue of another Young turning point. A fork stuck in the road. <laughs> yeah, last issue of this run of Young Justice, and uh, I am sad but hopeful we will get some more stuff out of this after this. Yeah, I. This is one of those books that I I need to. I wish I wish we could just have March's solicitations right now too from DC. Uh-huh. Just so I can know what gets to come back. Right, I'm with you. Um like for the same reason why I'm excited about Future State, I'm also terrified about after. Yeah. yeah. Present yep. state. Yes. Slightly slightly more immediate future state. Yes. I mean, I know we're getting I know we're getting a Jenny Hex, but Yep. Other than that, there's nothing else that we know of yet. Crossover number one. It's Donny Cates writing a super meta comic book about what if every idea that you had could be true. At which point reality kind of ceases to exist. I have seen like industry folks who have read this super excited for it on Twitter. Plus it's Donny Cates. Like yeah. that alone Fair is enough, enough reason. Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, number one. I can't not say that title that way. That's super dumb every time it comes out of my mouth. But I have to say, and Blood. Yeah, we talked about this in solicitations. This is just, uh, you know, this is uh, that super art style of uh, Wolverine with essentially three colors, right? Um, 
black, white, and blood. And blood or red, right? Yeah. Red. Uh, red. And yeah, it's you know, it's kind of a, a bit of a concept book, and I'm I'm I want to see what what it's about. Yeah. Uh, also at Marvel, Web of Venom, Empire's End one shot. I don't know what it is about all this Empire Fallout stuff, except I think just maybe Dan Slott and Al Ewing did that good a job turning it into a platform for new ideas. But everything that has come out so far that has been about bouncing off of that and building from it has been really interesting to me. Uh, in this case, there's a very clear through line. Like This is sort of the big event handoff from Empire to Web of Venom. Right. Um, but I'm also more excited for this Venom event than I can actually explain to past Alex. Uh, who would be very confused by my reading list in this 2020. <laughs> that is very, very fair, sir. Yep. And that is it for this week. Uh, as a reminder, if you want to hear more about Future State, check out that episode. Um, I don't know when it'll drop. I'll actually probably drop it as close to this episode as I can. Yeah. If you would rather just read those 25 book solicitations, you're welcome to do that. I won't really know either way. Uh, if you even think you might be, it, it probably behooves you to, uh, to, to check the solicitations yeah. for this. They're all over the place. Um, DC's kind of uh, order catalog, preview catalog called DC Connect now, which is digital only. Uh, it's You can find it free in several places on the web. Yeah. But like, Part of the reason we're doing a whole episode on it is we are excited for it and want to yes. talk about it. So maybe if you're looking for a reason to be excited, head on over. Check out that Agreed. episode. Agreed. Uh, as always, thanks to Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelology, panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Send us letters or whatever at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag capital p capital m or get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch capital p capital m i'm alex and i am brian go read comics mm-hmm.